Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. Embracing what's fun with Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080. Not that there's anything wrong with the word trailblazer, because no doubt it applied to former Hartford Mayor Ann Ucello, who this week we learned passed away at the age of 100. I was looking for a different word, though. She was a trailblazer. She was. And she was unforgettable. I mean, if you were to go back, I want you all to try to get in that time capsule and go back in time to the 1960s and 70s. And before that, before that, it doesn't have to be just the 60s and 70s. You go from that period and back. Not many women were involved in politics, let alone leading a major city like Hartford, just like she did, 1967 to 1971. Before that, Anusello was on the Hartford City Council. And in the 1970s, she was down in D.C., working in the Nixon, Ford, and Carter administrations. Never, though, did she think of herself as being political. She thought of herself as being pragmatic and just getting the job done, according to her biographer, Paul Perotta, who also said that she didn't think of being a woman as anything special. Again, she was just there to do a job. But there are so many female politicians in Connecticut, so many women in general, looking back on her and her life and her legacy this week and saying, And thank you. And it also made waves across the country, too. So definitely worth remembering former Hartford Mayor Ann Ucello. And when she turned 100 last year, which was May 19th, 2022, WTIC celebrated with her. I was in touch with her nephew, and I said, you know, we've got to do something. We've got to do something to celebrate her 100 years on the planet And many of those years spent in Hartford and greater Hartford and being devoted to the capital city and the state of Connecticut. So I said, I would like to get a greeting on the air from her to share with the audience. Because she was such a big part of WTIC radio when she was involved in Connecticut politics. On this happy birthday, I wish to thank the people of Hartford for being so good to me through the years. I appreciate all that they have done for me. Thank you. And you hear it in her voice that she is so thankful for everything that Hartford did for her and all of the people of Hartford who supported her over the years. She was just grateful. And that's how we celebrated her 100th birthday and happy to do it with her as we remember former Hartford Mayor Ann Ucello. I'm Morgan Cunningham. This is Spotlight Connecticut. We often highlight success stories on this program, and no doubt she was a success story. And today we have another success story that we're going to be focusing on, the story of Guillermo Rivera. He also just goes by the simple nickname of Gizmo, and there's a funny story behind that. We'll have that coming up as well. But Gizmo Rivera went from basically being nobody in New Britain, Connecticut, to following his interests and dreams, going to school at Western Connecticut State University, and ending up in L.A. as a visual effects guy. His story's next. This is WTIC in Hartford. Hi, this is Kathleen in Norwalk, and I'm listening to Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. Everybody, Gizmo Rivera is our guest today on Spotlight Connecticut, and I don't even know where to begin other than the fact that he is a New Britain native. Welcome to WTIC Radio, Gizmo. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So you're growing up in New Britain. Yes. My life was pretty transient, so we moved a lot. I, I, lived, I lived a lot in some of the projects here and there. I, was, I wasn't uh, uh, a kid with me, if that's the right word. 
um, single mother uh, for a while. Um, so, you know, um, I, I grew up, I went to Smalley School. Um, I went to Pulaski, Roosevelt, and then ended up in New Britain High School. And looking back now, you know, it was like small town, but big enough, if that's the right word, to get lost. Um, yes. You know, I played baseball, played football. And during that time, it was a good time to be in, in New Britain. There was a story that you just told me before we started the interview here about how you got your nickname. Now, your real name is Guillermo Rivera, but you go by Gizmo. How did that come to be? Having a name like Guillermo, a lot of kids would make fun of me and call me a bunch of different names that kind of rhymed with Guillermo. Um, and then I, my nose was a little big because I, I just had a flower nose. And this one kid, I'm not really want to sure to say his name, but he called me Gizmo Duck because Gizmo Duck had a giant beak and he had one wheel and we're playing wiffle ball one day and I hit the ball and he was like, run Gizmo Duck, run. And from that point on, he kept calling me Gizmo Duck. And then a couple of years later, we became friends and he just kept calling me Gizmo. And from that point on, every time someone would say, what's your name again? And I just say, it's Gizmo. People just started to just keep calling you that basically. Yes. It became a lot easier than Guillermo. Well, it's funny because when I see the word gizmo, I think to myself, tech, right? And what you do now is very tech-oriented. Yes, very much so, yes. So it fits. It fits still. Yes, and then meeting with clients and and having conversations about their project and a name like gizmo, it's always a good icebreaker. And I never thought that would be a thing because when I graduated college, everyone was like, you should go back to your normal name because... No one wants to call you Gizmo. It's a stupid name. And I was like, all right. And I tried it for like a month or two, and it just didn't work. I just love that whole irony about that situation that, you know, a bully turned friend calls you Gizmo, and it's basically stuck with you, not just in your personal life, but it's been working for you in your career as well. And I want to try to figure out where this career of yours really got started and what sparked it all, because you're growing up, you're having fun as a kid in New Britain, Connecticut, and I read somewhere that you actually, you know, you didn't have the money to get a computer and all of that until a little later in life, and you had a high school guidance counselor that didn't quite support you very much, and yet you've turned out to be this very successful visual effects guy out in L.A. How did that all come to be? So try to take me back to your teenage years where you're trying to figure out a path in your life. I was always a uh, one of those kids who enjoyed those shows from like HBO behind the scenes. And it was one of those things that to me, the thought of a movie or visual effects and and anything that would pop up when it came to cameras was like so far out of reach. It was unheard of. Then whenever I was in high school, there was an opportunity to go to college. I'm the first one to go to college in my, in my family. So it wasn't a thing that like, I was like projected to or planned to go or anything like that. So when I, was told by some of my teachers that, yeah, you should apply for schools. You should definitely go to college. And I tried to, it was, the guy's counselor at times would say things like, college isn't for everybody. You know, you seem like a smart kid. You should go into automotive. So then, you know, I just kept trying and trying. And I found out about WCSU, Western Connecticut State University. And and then I obviously knew about UConn and I knew about other schools. And a lot of my friends are going to school. So I decided to apply for colleges. And I wrote, I had a couple of my teachers help me write my essay. And then I got accepted. And I was like, Oh, my God, I'm going to college. And so that's where I went. 
Gizmo, now you're in college. What was your first year experience like? You're a freshman. What was it like? When I was a freshman, my first semester, I didn't have a computer. Um, and I used to always do my work at a computer hall. My mom found a way to get me a computer uh, my second semester. And from that point on, the thought process of, you know, the things that were unreachable became at a grasp, if that's the right word. I started really tinkering with the computer and understanding how it works and understanding processes. And to this point, you hadn't had much experience with computers. Is that right? Not one bit. Exactly. Not one bit. Everything was all, you know, uh, troubleshoot, plug and play, figuring things out. And then it got to a point where I got pretty proficient. I got a job at Western Connecticut State University as one of their computer techs. And I started fixing the computers for the school. Granted, I've only touched the computer for like three years, but it came so easy to me. And it's one of those things that's fascinating because in high school, elementary school, we had a computer here and there, but it never, it wasn't a thing that I gravitated to because I was always a kid that was always outside. But then when a computer was put in front of me, the sense of critical thinking became very natural. So build upon that, had a great four years at Western Connecticut State University, had amazing professors that the technology was evolving, but they were so good at, you know, helping me with like the film theory process and all of the the parts of the thing that I thought was so far away, never could happen, started feeling like, oh my God, like I could actually do this for work. Now you must want to get a job working with computers near the end of college and after college, right? So easy job. I got a job at IBM and I kind of worked like the super night shift to keep monitor servers and, and do this was work. IBM in Connecticut, right? Yes. In, in, um, in Southbury. Yeah. When I graduated school, I went right to, to IBM. I think a couple months in the drag of just working on computers and the corporate world, just, it was exciting at one point, but then it wasn't anymore. It was too, it was too structural, if that's the right word. So uh, my partner, she was like, let's move to California. And granted, I just started working in IBM. And I was like, sure. So we took every penny we had and we drove across country. I got a job in LA as a security analyst, again, back in the IT world for a print shop in Inglewood. And I worked there for a little bit and same thing. Nothing felt exciting to me anymore. So I dropped the whole thing and I quit that job and went to a temp agency in um, in the Valley. And I just said to them, hey, I am really good with computers and uh, I would love to be put into any production, anything in the entertainment. So they said, sure. So they got me into a post house in the Valley um, that paid me, I want to say like $8 an hour. And they hired me because I could fix all the computers, work on the websites, um, and do dubs. And dubs is when you take a, a tape from from an editorial process, make multiple tapes and formats of it, then send it to the network so they can air it. Like a utility so player. So you were basically hired to help out with a bunch of utility behind-the-scenes projects. Yes. And it was, I mean, I was doing like five people's jobs. You know, I, you know, I would do a tape and then fix a computer. And they used to hire these super expensive guys to fix their Avid. Avid is an editorial uh, uh, computer. Um, and then I learned how they work. So I started fixing them. And instead of them paying $40, $50 an hour, they were paying this kid who was like $8 an hour to fix these Avid. 
and they were getting fixed and I was doing it all. And then it got to a point where they gave me a huge raise and then I quit right when they gave me the raise because I didn't want this to be like my job. I just didn't want to fix computers all the time. But you're using this as an opportunity, obviously, to learn a little bit more about what you might be really best at. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the thing about this industry, too. It's it's the best ability at times is availability. So if you get a job in this industry and they say, we have a shift open at like midnight to four in the morning, just do it. Do it and do it as best you can because that four in the morning shift will turn into 9 a.m. So whatever. And you'll meet people and, and it just builds from there. I have so to tell I you that that is so true from my experience because both of us, as we talked about before we started this interview, we're working in media. And when an opportunity comes up, especially if you're new at it, just jump right in. Absolutely. I quit that job and went to another job that paid me the same thing, scraps, just to fix, again, their computers. But this job was a little different. My first day, which I, it's, a, it's a weird thing. My first day, they were doing a huge project for Honda. And it was a commercial. And while I was working on the previous job, I was learning this software uh, for compositing. And I was trying my best to figure out where I would fit within the post-production world because I thought I was going to be an editor. The problem with an editor is that everyone thinks they can be an editor. So the, the, the actual, there are great editors out there and great artists. But the thing about editorial is, you know, it's a thing that a lot of people can just pick up. I wanted to do something that was uh, a little bit more, um, of Enigma and visual effects felt so difficult that I really wanted to dig my teeth into it. So I was learning this software for a while, got this new job in Venice. And the first day they came up to me and said, you don't happen to know combustion. And I was like, I do. And they're like, great. Our visual effects artist went AWOL. Is it possible you could just do this for us really quickly? And I said, sure. People go AWOL in media. I'll just tell everybody that. It is true. We're talking with Gizbo Rivera from Connecticut, now living in Los Angeles, greater Los Angeles, working in visual effects. So this guy goes AWOL, and you're there. Yes, and I took the path. Again, never never gotten paid to do it, um, and they liked it. So then the next day, they got me, put me back on that project. I finished the project, and it turned out really well. And again, never done it before, but I just knew the software. And then from that point on, at this job that was, like, again, not paying me that much, they were just slowly but surely giving me projects while I was obviously assisting editors and fixing computers and doing dubs, et cetera, doing a bunch of jobs. I mean, the work, my work was come in at 7 a.m. and leave at, like, 3 in the morning and then do that all over again the next day. I'm Morgan um, Cunningham, and our guest this week on Spotlight Connecticut is Gizmo Rivera. His real name is Guillermo Rivera. He's a New Britain native who worked his way up from growing up in New Britain, went all the way over to the other side of the state, Western Connecticut State University, started to study computers, and, you know, initially he was a theater arts major, but that changed for sure, and uh, slowly but surely worked his way up to his trip over to Los Angeles, where he's now working as a visual effects guy. He's just a visual effects everything. And you're putting two and two together and you're slowly getting four. And I'm just amazed at the progress. And, you know, the relation that you and I are, you know, that we have to media here is that when these jobs pop up, you just kind of take them and you're a sponge and you learn it over time. Absolutely. 
experience is super important, but at the same time, also never, I've always been taught, and this is a big thing at uh, Western Connecticut State University, a lot of my professors used to, used to tell me, is never come to somebody with a problem without giving them what you think the solution should be. Exactly, because is, you never know where it's going to go. Visual effect is one of those things that as amazing as everything looks on television and on TV shows and how many people get critiqued, it's not that glamorous. It's very long nights, a lot of tedious work, a ton of trial and error, um, a lot of you know collaborative and, and uh, uh, a lot of uh, techniques. And no one really says no, because it, it's a thing where you say that might not be possible, but we can do this. Or, you know, we're going to we're having trouble with this, but we're going to try to do this instead and see if that works. And that's what pretty much is, is what has made me enjoy this industry, because it's like coding, but you're making pretty pictures and you're doing it in a way where when somebody says, oh, I saw this movie or this commercial, what did you do? and they can't tell what you did, that's when you did your job right. Gizmo Rivera, our guest on Spotlight Connecticut this week, it sounds like to me that you're constantly reinventing yourself, basically, constantly experimenting, so it's different every single day. Yes, and it has a lot to do with technique, too. A great example, too, is, you know, trying to be efficient with your time. So, you know, math is a big thing. Never thought that you would ever build a fence around your property at a certain you know, when you get that problem and you tell your teacher, that's never going to happen. I'll have a calculator in my pocket. Well, in theory, that happens to me all the time. I always have to look at something and either I do it manually and it'll take me three hours or I can write an equation that can replicate it and do it again multiple times in minutes. So that's, that's the balance between like understanding, you know, what you've learned in, in school and what you're trying to apply it to your everyday and, and how to, problem solved, if that's the right word. This week on Spotlight Connecticut, boy, do I have an inspirational guest. His name is Guillermo Rivera, but as he said it here, nobody calls him that ever since he was a kid and kind of was being picked on in school. Although the guy became his friend later in life, he has just simply gone by gizmo. He grew up, you know, not the richest background in New Britain, Connecticut, but was able to get to college, first-generation college student in his family, made it to college, followed his dreams, and got inspiration just by being interested in video games and movies and computers, which were pretty up-and-coming around the time he was in college, and decides, you know what? We're going to pursue this career. Lands in Los Angeles. Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. In the 98 years that WTIC has existed, this very well could be the hippest song that we've ever played. Really, it's cool in the gang. I figured we needed some excitement to get back into the show. Open Sesame, I'm Morgan Cunningham, and in my hand, maybe you could hear the paper rustling. Can you hear it? In my hand here, I have a great newspaper article that was written not only about me, but about WTIC. And, um, you know, it means a lot to me. And Michael Sinkowitz did a great job. And as I always do, whenever I find out that somebody mentions WTIC or something about my talk show or whatever, those people get a shout-out. And Michael and the River East News Bulletin, which is based out of Glastonbury, Connecticut, well, they get a shout-out. And uh, it's really a great piece. And the River East does a fantastic job with everything that you would expect out of a little local newspaper. And these little local newspapers need our support very much, I believe, because they do things for local communities 
that bigger papers can't and bigger stations can't. And, you know, I do my best and I know that others on WTIC do their best to get hyper local stories and try to reach out to different communities. But it's tough, right? When you have a signal that blankets the whole state of Connecticut or, you know, the same goes for television as well. And these little papers, they will figure out the tiniest bit of the minutiae going on in one local community. And the River East News Bulletin, it covers several towns in um, eastern Connecticut, just kind of on the outskirts of the eastern greater part of Hartford. Um, So Andover, Hebron, um, Marlboro, East Hampton, Colchester, some of those towns, and there are some others that I'm missing out, but uh, that I'm forgetting to mention. But the River East paper, it does a great job finding local stories involving each one of those little towns and communities. They also have the letters to the editor. They have classifieds. They have obits. Everything, like I said, that you would expect out of a little local paper. Well, I am from that area, born and raised, and they decided that they were going to write an article about me and my work in radio and at WTIC. And I think that they did a swell job condensing the story somehow into half of a page and getting all of the little details in there that they possibly could have. So well done, Michael Sinkowitz and the River East News Bulletin. And I recommend that people, it's too late now to get a physical copy of this because they've already got their next edition out. But I do recommend that people go online. They have an archive You go to uh, Google and look up the River East News Bulletin. You can learn a little bit about me, my show, and uh, and WTIC. So I think that that is absolutely great. And I do see connections between my story and Gizmo Rivera, who is our guest this week on Spotlight Connecticut. Gizmo, he worked overnight. He traveled. He went different places. He was trying to figure out what was a fit for him, as did I. So we'll continue our chat with Gizmo Rivera, New Britain native, now working in visual effects in Los Angeles, next. This is WTIC in Hartford. This is Brian from Simsbury, and you're listening to Spotlight Connecticut with my friend Morgan Cunningham. Gizmo, I think that people probably would like to know, maybe, if you can divulge your secrets, what projects you may have been involved in that maybe people are familiar with. I've been in a lot of projects that are super secretive that I can't say, but I've been in some projects that I'm in the credits. Um, a great example, biggest one, I, is I, I worked on Avatar. Um, I was one of the many, many talented artists that worked on that film. The first one, I worked on a bunch of major feature films, X-Men 2. Some big names here, for sure. How are you going up against some of these really established visual folks? In L.A., the great ability is availability. When I was working on these films, I would do 100-plus hours a week. And whenever everyone would say, all right, you're done with the project, you guys can take a break, I didn't take a break. I just moved on to the next project. The industry is very, very competitive, but at the same time, it's also very collaborative. Everyone's trying to solve the same problem, um, if that if that makes sense. You're given a, a raw plate, right? You're given something that doesn't look good. It looks like a bunch of people just like LARPing. They're just, it looks hilarious, you know? Um, and then, you know, a couple weeks in and you deliver that, that, Play, play is like usually like a, a footage or some sort of uh, piece of the film. You deliver it, and it just looks so different. You've added elements to it. You've added color. You've, you've removed rigs. You've made people look like superheroes. And, you know, and those little wins gets you going for the next one. 
You mentioned the C word gizmo. I'm talking on Spotlight Connecticut with Gizmo Rivera, who is a native of Connecticut, now working in visual effects out in L.A. You mentioned the C word, competition. And I have to know, obviously, you know who your competition is. I really don't know many names in visual effects. I hate to admit, but it's true. But if you know that your competition is out there, maybe there are people that you do look up to, but at the end of the day, they're competition. So do you find yourselves kind of at odds with one another? You know, we don't talk to the competition. Are you friends with the competition? Uh, you know, what is that mentality like? So it's a small industry and everyone knows each other and everyone respects each other because we all know what we do for a living is extremely hard and it takes a lot of resources. What I mean by competition has a lot to do with just, um, you know, a lot of we compete for work, you know, and that has a lot to do with the team that we're with. That's our producers, executive producers. But at the same time, the art, by the time you're at my level, competition has a lot to do with how good your reel is, how fast you turn around a project. But then at the same time, you know, how good are you with clients? How good are you at listening? And then, and then when it comes to actual work, how good is your final product? And when it comes to competition, every artist wants their work to look amazing. And we look at other artists' work and we go, that's amazing, I want mine to be better. Or a lot of clients would say, can you make it look like this guy? You know. And so what I mean by competition, it's a thing where I'm not directly competing in terms of competition, but I am trying to be better and improve and do things that one artist did, but maybe a little better or finding a way to do it a little bit more efficiently, et cetera. And, and another thing too about competition is, you know, whenever you try to get a job, a big thing that I did when I first started was I wanted my website to look creative and not look cheap, or I wanted my reel to look polished and look clean and have everything that, before they even saw my face, I wanted it to look super professional. And that has really, really helped. Versus some artists who just put their reels on Vimeo and just calls it a day. That's what I mean by competition in terms of like just trying to one up for the project or one up for the next artist. In terms of people to people, everyone loves each other for the most part. There's obviously some politics always, but everyone knows everybody and it's a small enough industry that you always try to be respectful to the other person as much as you can, because you never know, you know, where they're going to land in 10 years. And it's a young part industry, but it's also old enough that we're all like now adults with families. So we're not no longer kids running around trying to one up or be better than the next guy. It's all, it's get your best foot forward and working as hard as you can. Gizmo, I've got to wonder, do you work freelance? Yes and no. Um, I work with a studio at the moment. It's a thing where I, I am an independent artist, but I do work exclusively for a studio. And that's, that's a big thing in this industry too. A lot, of, a lot of the projects are like, you know, hire and then break down. So, so you have to be prepared to always be available to move on to the next job. Because I was just wondering, you know, how that works, because I know people that do work freelance and they love it because they love the ability to go and find work wherever they can. They like to be a hunter. They like to keep fresh and go different places and try different things. And then I know other people in the other mentality, it's like, nope, this is the gig that I have, and I really like this one, and if I have to move, fine, so be it. But I like doing 
my one routine type position or company or whatever that may be. It's just a different philosophy. That's all. Absolutely. Yeah, I've, I've had both. I've been staffed at a big studio. Um, I work for a company called MPC. They're huge in the visual effects world. Um, they win a lot of awards. I worked with them for a while. And then I've also worked with, with um, smaller studios as freelancer, you know, like The Mill, Hydraulics, Method Studios. These are all like massive visual effects companies. And I'm, and I'm working with a lot of uh, specific uh, smaller studios that do big work, you know, like The Mission or, uh, or A52. Those, these are like, you know, it, they're everywhere all over LA. But again, it's a, it, in my industry, we're not really supposed to be as, uh, as showing off what we're doing because a lot of the work that we're doing is, I want to say secretive, but at the same time, it's a thing that we don't, we don't want to give, give too, much of the, uh, too much information of where the studios are or what, because there's a lot of people who want to know what projects are being worked on and where they're located. And so uh, I see. Growing up in New Britain, Connecticut, Gizmo, I'm talking on Spotlight Connecticut with Gizmo Rivera, who was a New Britain, Connecticut native, studied at Western Connecticut State University, really got a lot of his building blocks done and out of the way there at Western. Now he's living in L.A., basically working with all these big movie producers as a visual effects artist. I've got to wonder, the influence of New York City being so close to Connecticut and Boston for that matter, but in this conversation, I think New York applies more. Um, did that have any kind of influence or inspiration on your career at all or no? No, because I, I, was, I was one of those kids that saw the movie um, Beverly Hills Cop. And to me, you know, I could have done all of this stuff in New York and all of this stuff in Boston. But just the aura of Los Angeles and the palm trees and the thought process of it, like, to me, just it, it, it felt bigger to me at the time, felt bigger to me. You're right. You're right. It could have been easy. I wouldn't say easier, but it could have been more accessible in New York, which they do a lot of great work there and in Boston. But for me, the L.A. experience was really what I was going for. And then the work just was the icing on the cake. Where do you see yourself in the next five to 10 years? Still doing this or maybe you have different aspirations? I always, always want to work in this industry. Um, I still want to do this as long as I can. It's, it's a, I don't have a job. That's, I don't work for a living. I absolutely love what I do. You know, Obviously, I would love to evolve and maybe get into directing at, at times, but you know, who knows, you know, because if you told me 15 years ago, I'll be, you know, in a position in my life where I'm doing something that I never thought in a million years I'd be able to do or have access to, you know, I'm a poor kid from New Britain and now I'm working on projects that are worth, you know, multi-millions of dollars. If you told me I'd be doing this, I think you're crazy. So for me to predict the next five years, I'd rather just let it, let the, let the work in the path, you know, kind of navigate itself. And, you know, and just enjoy the, 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 um, the ride. You know, I, I'm doing something that I saw on television that now I can provide for my family, own a home in the city of Los Angeles. And to me, to say that out loud is, is kind of crazy. Your family must be so proud. I guess they are. And it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And, and it's, it's cool, too, because 
it doesn't get old because everyone will always say, so what do you do? And then the next thing is, how did you get into that? It feels good. I'm 40 years old, but I, I get to act 22 every day in terms of like the constant learning and the constant excitement. You know, a great thing too is I'm a huge, you know, sports fan and times I get to go on set and get to work with great athletes or, you know, um, you know, I get to work on a video game that I enjoy and content we as children took for granted and just kind of just consumed. I get to now see how the sausage is being made and, and it's exciting. It's and, and I enjoy it. And it's a grind. It's not easy. Trust me. What I do for a living only sounds good in a story, a montage, and in a behind the scenes. But it's 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 very late nights, very stressful, but it's gratifying. I want to know if you ever have had a chance to go talk to maybe a group of kids, like be a, a guest speaker at a school, if you ever come home to New Britain or something, if they'd welcome you there at the school, or Western Connecticut State University, somewhere out in L.A., any school, right? Because your story to me is so inspirational, and you said it yourself, grew up poor in New Britain, now you're working in movie and film production and video production out in Los Angeles. It is inspiring that you have gone from the bottom up. So what would you tell somebody in the radio audience who maybe could relay your story over to somebody who is younger, a kid? What would you tell them? Uh, one big thing that I've learned now as an adult and and thinking back to when I was younger is the world is really your oyster. There really is nothing you cannot do. If there's something that you want to do, just do it. So there's a big difference between dreaming of something and wanting to do something. You know, everyone dreams to be an actor or, or a musician or whatever, but then I want, and then you say to yourself, I want to be, an actor, or I want to be a musician, or I want to be a scientist, or I want to go to space. That part is where you have to constantly tell yourself that and, and give yourself the motivation to do it. And the thing is, too, it's the, the mountain is steep and the rocks are hard. But when you get to the top, I'm, I'm not saying I'm at the top either, but when you get to a point where there is a resting place within the cliff, you get to breathe a little easier and then you, you, you get to enjoy it that's the right word. So what I would say to anyone is be prepared to work hard and take what you want, because to be honest with you, no one's going to give it to you and it's not going to show up at your door. That's the best thing I can say. Someone might not give you a pat on the back. You just have to do it again and again and again until one day somebody notices. And when somebody notices, that's when the real work starts. Gizmo Rivera, I've really enjoyed our conversation. The inspiration that you have shared with me and the rest of the audience, too, it's moving. And again, you grew up in New Britain, went to Western, and now you're working out in L.A., and you're very pleased with all the visual effect work that you're doing. And and that conversation, you know, is, um, you know, you didn't get too technical, which is great because maybe some people wouldn't get it, but you were able to share enough information with us with also not disclosing all of your special clients and projects and all of that. But we got a really good taste of what you're doing out there in L.A. Yes, thank you. Yes, yes. This this means a lot, and and, and I'm I am humbled through this because you you never know who's listening, and 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 I appreciate it. You're a hometown hero. I know you don't want to brag, but I think you're no. a hometown hero. I, no, far from it. I just I work hard every day 
to make sure that I get to do it the next day. Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. Embracing what's fun with Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080.